the killing of Jamal Khashoggi was recorded. And I listened to this recording and that made for an incredibly painful process, knowing it was about the last second of someone's life. Agnès Kalema wrote the UN report on the killing of Jamal Khashoggi, a Washington Post columnist and a critic of the Saudi government. It came out in 2019 based on her investigation. On Friday, the United States came out with its long-anticipated report. Agnès had been waiting for it, and just hours after its release, I asked her what she found. Well, I don't think I found much, Malika. This is the first time the U.S. has officially and publicly confirmed that Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman approved the operation to kill Jamal Khashoggi. Saudi Arabia has rejected the report entirely. But the findings were out there before. So what's new about this report? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. So my name is Agnès Calamar, and I am the UN Special Rapporteur on Extrajudicial Summary or Arbitrary Killings. We work independently from the UN to protect human rights. Agnès does not speak for the UN, and this is an important point, she says. We work independently from any forms of pressure, whether it's the UN, member state, or non-state actors. I have a broad mandate which is to investigate according to my own assessment of what matters. And in 2018, what mattered was the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. A grisly new report on the disappearance of Jamal Khashoggi. A source says he was killed inside the Istanbul consulate. They have evidence Mr Khashoggi was murdered by a security team inside the Saudi consulate. Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi was indeed killed. And in the days and months following, Agnès kept hearing requests from human rights groups, NGOs, and the public asking for an investigation into Khashoggi's death. So she started one. The major problems, of course, was the lack of cooperation on the part of uh, Saudi Arabia, the fact that they opposed this investigation from the beginning. They did not give me access to people who were the primary witnesses, in the case and opposed the work and the findings in a very aggressive fashion without engaging with the substance of what I had uncovered. Still, she managed to uncover a lot. In my own um, investigation, which is more or less stated in the DNI report, half of the team were very closely linked to the security team of Mohammed Ben Salman. So that team, over 48 hours, planned what became the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. We know that before the first team left for Istanbul, they were met by Saud al-Khatani, who is one of the main advisors to Mohammed bin Salman. Indeed, I will say his right-hand man. They met and he incited them to bring back Jamal Khashoggi because he was a threat to national security. 
The killing itself took place in a state location, which is a consulate. It involved the complicity of the consul. And I'm mentioning all of that because the government of Saudi Arabia had the audacity of saying and insisting that it was a rogue operation. I can assure you there is nothing about that operation that was rogue. It was planned, resourced, organized, and indeed protected afterwards by and through the state. And after working so hard on her investigation and report, Agnes is still investigating. So I wanted to see how her findings compare to what the U.S. found. I have the report in front of me, at least what was released to the public. It's short. It's just four pages, including the cover page. What was your reaction to the release of this report? Um, You know, my reaction was uh, a bit conflicted. Very glad that the report is finally out. Very glad that American institutions have delivered what they were expected to deliver under the Constitution. And I am glad some of the truth regarding the killing of Jamal Khashoggi is being made public, including the U.S. assessment of the responsibility of the crown prince. What the DNI report has done is to confirm that the mastermind included Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. I am glad that the DNI report names Mohammed bin Salman as the person who oversaw the killing of uh, Jamal Khashoggi. I'm disappointed that the DNI report does not provide any material evidence, any details. It could have been, frankly, taken from my own report. Diplomatically, politically, there is no doubt that it is an important step. In terms of truth-telling, it's falling short. I have no doubt that they have more information. Why didn't they release it? I don't know. In 2019, under Trump, the U.S. Congress passed a law compelling the director of national intelligence to release the names of Saudi officials they thought were responsible for Khashoggi's killing within 30 days. But the Trump administration wouldn't do it. With Biden as president, the report was released. So let's talk about timing. The Trump administration refused to release it. So what does the release of this report right now tell us about the differences between the Trump administration and the Biden administration? The last two years, the release of that report was vetoed by the White House, and it was a bipartisan request. It was, in my view, undermining democracy and democratic institutions. I do acknowledge its importance in terms of the working of American democracy. And it's not the only step the Biden administration has taken to bring Saudi Arabia to account and potentially change the future relationship between the kingdom and the United States. So far, The State Department said it's already halted two arms sales to Saudi Arabia, and others are paused under review. This report came out right after Biden's White House, quote, recalibrated their strategy with Saudi Arabia. That's what they call it. Biden is now dealing with the king, King Salman, instead of the crown prince, which is different from the Trump administration. And as this report came out, U.S. Secretary of State Blinken announced a, quote, 
Khashoggi ban, banning people who have engaged in serious extraterritorial counter-dissident activities. We are recording this episode on Friday, February 26, just hours after the U.S. report was released. So it does seem like this administration is making some moves to hold Saudi accountable. Is that what you're seeing? Is that how you interpret it? Yes and no. I'm glad to hear that there is an intention. But the key issue, in my view, is that they released a report today that named the crown prince as having played a key role in the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. Indeed, their assessment is that such a killing could not have taken place without his agreement, if not without him ordering such a killing. From what I am hearing so far, there is no intention on the part of the Biden administration to sanction Mohammed bin Salman, which, you know, I do hope things are going to develop a bit more over the next few days. And so, over the next few days, we watched to see if things would develop. U.S. Press Secretary Jen Psaki went on CNN talking about new sanctions on Saudi government officials. We've also taken a number of steps to sanction the deputy head of intelligence and make clear that we will never let this happen again. And and that's a message we've clearly sent over the last few days. Okay, so but you're talking about the people who are under the crown prince and they are being punished. So isn't punishing them like punishing the hitman and not the mob boss who actually put out the hit? Well, first, Anna, historically, and even in recent history, Democratic and Republican administrations, there have not been sanctions put in place for the leaders of foreign governments where we have diplomatic relations and even where we don't have diplomatic relations. Even President Biden, running to his helicopter, promised there would still be another announcement. There'll be announcements on Monday of what we're going to be doing with Saudi Arabia. And on Monday, the U.S. State Department announced it's urging Saudi Arabia to disband its rapid intervention force, which included Saudis involved in the Khashoggi killing. This is State Department spokesman Ned Price. We have sanctioned the group and these individuals, and we are working to share information about this group's practices with other governments as well. But for a lot of people, not just Ainyas, it still wasn't enough. The publisher of the Washington Post, where Khashoggi worked, wrote in the paper's opinion section, quote, President Biden is facing his first major test of a campaign promise, and it appears he's about to fail it, end quote. And at these U.S. State Department press conferences, it keeps coming up. You do acknowledge that the fact that you did not impose any specific sanctions on the crown prince on Friday or today has raised some concerns among uh, among people. You you accept that, yes? I've heard reactions since since Friday. Matt Lee with the Associated Press and other reporters pushed back, and Lee insisted the United States has put sanctions on leadership and is doing so right now in Myanmar. This was spokesman Ned Price's response. It is undeniable that the choices that Riyadh makes uh, will have outsized implications for countries in the region and countries beyond the region, including for the United States. That's why we have talked about this, not as a rupture, but a recalibration. So it's important to talk about what happens next, what you want to see 
happen next, particularly when we look at Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman as a result of this report. The first evidence step that the administration should take is to sanction Mohammed bin Salman. I have also suggested he should be banished from some international diplomatic gathering because, in my opinion, he is not fit for those gatherings and individuals present not to necessarily want to sit around the table with the person who ordered the killing of a journalist because he did not like what he wrote. And Can I pause you there? Because I hear you on that point. But as you said, these details are not new. And yet over the past year plus, we've seen world leaders do just that, even though these details have been out there. So do you have high hopes for that being the case going forward? Look, if I were to only demand what seems to be realistic, I will not be doing human rights work because we always have to push. So I have a platform, I'm going to push and ask for what I think is right. It is not good enough to just make that information public and just think that is the end of our responsibility to deliver justice to Jamal. You need to accompany that information with a range of steps that is going to hold the Crown Prince uh, to account. In the minimum a step that one should have been expecting is for the Crown Prince to be sanctioned. Everyone else implicated in that crime has been sanctioned. Why should he escape? You must think about Jamal Khashoggi a lot while you're doing this work. What is the world missing out on with Jamal not here? Well, the world and Saudi Arabia, the people of Saudi Arabia, are missing a major voice of dissent, which is why he was killed. Jamal was somebody who truly believed in the power of freedom of expression and and the power of the press. The people of Saudi Arabia are missing someone who can point to the lies of the rulers of Saudi Arabia and Mohammed bin Salman. They are missing a voice. And by extension, we therefore are missing a critical understanding of what's happening in the country at the moment. We are missing Jamal's critical voice. So we wanted to remind you of Jamal's voice and Jamal's voice on Mohammed bin Salman by playing a little bit of it. This is from March 2018, just months before he was killed. He doesn't want any competition. He doesn't want any counter opinions. He doesn't want any uh, critique. So we almost shut down everybody. He has all the power. He has all the support. And, uh, and the international community is not pressuring him. I wish he could do that today, but I don't think he will. So for Agnès, the fight for justice and for Jamal continues. I've always argued that justice for Jamal is going to be a, a journey. It's not going to be an outcome. And we should never get disappointed so much that we give up. Justice is a road in front of us, and we just need to keep walking and to keep running on it. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters, with Priyanka Tilvey and Nagin Oliai, Dina Kisve, Ney Alvarez, Alexandra Locke, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Steve Lack mixed and edited this episode. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. And Stacey Samuel is our executive producer. We'll be back 